You're listening to the Hard Money Podcast, hosted by the economic activist himself, founder of Rad Diversified, CEO of Tax Auction Investors, and the visionary behind the American Survivalist Project, Dutch Mendenhall. Hi, brother. Well, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Good. Well, for everybody that's watching, I just want to introduce Rich Desage. Uh, he's a good friend. We've known each other for a very long time. And when I think of wealth, when I think of investing, when I think of American entrepreneurship, it's one of the first people that come to mind for me. And I wanted to take time to do a podcast with him because I think he's got some deep insights that could literally revolutionize how you see investing, how you see real estate, how you see life, right? Because for every successful man, there's a successful life um, that can lead, lead behind that. And so I think there's a lot of things that he can provide for you guys. You know, Rich has a, a background managing, you know, one of the largest, um, you know, IRA companies in America, you know, um, he's a co-founder of equity trust. Uh, he's a former, you know, of the, you know, retirement industry, uh, association, you know, he's, were you president of that rich or what were you of that? I was, I was, yeah. President. How long were you president of it? Uh, three years. Three years. And so, you know, for me, as I've, you know, built wealth and I've built the different things that we have for our investors and, and our students and stuff, you know, I always seek to take pieces from the people that I come through in my life, right? I take this piece from this successful person and that piece from that successful person. And so, you know, I'll just start off, Rich, you know, we don't have a, a protocol of, I like to take these podcasts and kind of see where they take us and see where they go, right? So, um, you know, who's a few people or a few things, you know, pieces you've taken from people you know, over the years that have helped you build such a successful company and, and help so many people? Well, I, you know, I start off with my father, uh, who, who is sort of our, my hero, my brother and I, you know, we have a family business and uh, he came out of a lot of struggle uh, out of his childhood. And really, uh, you know, if you could type out what the American dream is, I mean, it really is what my dad did. He uh, had very difficult childhood and, um, and joined the, the, the military and service. And then went on to get a, a degree in finance and, and um, built several businesses just from scratch. And um, so he's, he's kind of the, 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 the initial role model. And then, you know, you have lots of mentors along the way that I've had. I've been very blessed to, to have a bunch in me in, uh, in and around me for a long time. And then there's sort of virtual mentors. And I always look at, you know, folks like Charlie Munger has been kind of one of my um, guiding lights in the, in the business world that I don't know. Uh, and Warren Buffett as well. Um, but I take from, from each one of them and learn, but the, the foundation is from my father. Yeah. You know, I always fascinating, like when I think of my father, cause he died when I was 18 and I look at that dynamic because there were so many things I didn't like about him, you know, at 18 years old, like, like a lot of 18 year olds, but then, you know, 20, 30 years later, you know, I look back at the lessons and the things that I could took, you know, from him, you know, being a, a second generation entrepreneur, you know, like you, you know, I think there's a lot to take from that. From your dad, what are some of the things that you think, because he fought, scratched, clawed, right? Some of the, some of the things that, that you were able to say, hey, you know, I didn't make these mistakes because, because he had already walked some of that path. What are some of those things? Well, you know, I think one thing for people in general is just the idea of persistence. You have to persevere. Uh, you're going to be, no matter what you do in life, in the the more uh, things that you want to do, a higher level of things you want to accomplish, there's always going to be setbacks and you have to be able to motivate yourself and just keep going when you have those setbacks. The dust your 
shoulders off and, and, and get back up and, and, and keep going. So my dad was, and is, uh, just, he's one of the hardest workers that I've ever known. Uh, and I've known a lot of people and he just perseveres. He just won't quit. And, um, I mean, it's a fantastic, uh, role model and it's a great lesson for folks. You know, there's a lot of people say that, you know, just before you're about to succeed is, is where a lot of people say, okay, it's, it's not working or I've got to quit, but success is just around the corner if you just keep at what you're doing. So perseverance is sort of the number one thing I learned from him. Yeah, I love that. I, I was reading a quote from a UFC fighter that had lost um, last week. And he was said, he said, uh, his quote was, uh, uh, a persistent man never fails, right? And that was after he lost. And it was shortly after, after he lost, right? And I always find, found that, that fascinating, right? But it also makes me think of one of the most difficult um, physical nights of my lifetime that I spent with you um, when we were, we were both, uh, Rich and I are both part of a, a group, a mastermind um, of, of successful entrepreneurs called, called Maverick 1000. And so they do these experiences and what's called a go ruck experience. And so we did it in Washington, DC. Um, overnight, we marched with, you know, 40 pound sacks and 40 pound rucksacks and uh, from monument to monument. And I don't know if any point in my life, even through my sports career and different things, if I ever felt like quitting something as many times in one night as I, as I did that night. But, you know, I just, I, I think over and over, you know, that night there was, there was this just different thought process, you know, of, of, persevering but god is enough enough and then persevering and then grinding tell me what tell me about that night for you man i'm curious curious uh, your thoughts i I loved it i mean even though it was a challenge it was uh you know if i hadn't gone into business with my family i would have been uh in the military and as an officer and um so i loved i loved being around the special forces that you know dutch is talking about they were uh the green braids that we were working with and uh, you left out the log though you know that that was the other thing more than a one massive, log, yeah. massive water log logs around DC. And it did, it was very, you know, it was not fun. And it's sort of their model is for you to embrace the suck, embrace the, you know, the, the challenges because it was literally, you know, a 12 hour through the middle of the night till I think 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock the next morning, just doing physical stuff uh, with those folks. But I, so that was, it, to me, it, it was a great contrast, you know, and, and I think what's great about that group and, the folks listening, they, they put on these type of events. It's called Go Ruck. I encourage you to look them up. It's a, it's a veteran-known organization, really just Like Tough Mudders, another name sometimes that people hear of, but Go well, Ruck. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the Tough Mudders is a little different, but, but it, it's a similar, but it's Go Ruck is the, uh, it, it, it's all uh, military folks in that organization. So for, uh, you know, 12 hours, we get to experience, like Dutch was saying, a, a really challenging 12 hours. Um, but, you know, those folks, especially in the, you know, the special forces, they're, they're, uh, they call it the assessments before they are allowed in those units are, you know, three months or something. I mean, it's really amazing every day. So you get a little taste of just a slice, not at the level that they went through, but a little bit. So you understand, and uh, it puts things in, um, in contrast in your life, you could put things in perspective. And so after that, you know, you have challenges and you say, Hey, you know what, I'm not carrying a, a huge log or, you know, I think about our, our, our veterans out there who protect us every day, and I appreciate them even more after that. So it was, it was a great night. Yeah, you know, my, my brother Brent, you know, 25 years in, in special operations. After that night, I had a 
new appreciation for him in a, a whole different way. We actually, that, I remember we spent um, part of that week in writing a new business plan for the Green Brave Foundation. Um, and uh, I do remember that my group won because um, we broke up into like, what was it, like seven or eight groups. Yeah. Um, I remember that my group won, you know, the business plan for the Green Bay Foundation. I just take a lot of pride in that. And that's where we came up as a, as a, as a group, though, with the next mission, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the logo that I think not only they've used, but some of the other military foundation have used, you know, as, as a part of their moat motos for the for their nonprofits and stuff which is which is pretty cool um you know on a side note for you you know what is that experience you know how do you look back about it you know three years six years you know later i don't know what was that five years four or five years ago um how do you look back back upon it um and 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 how does that you know impact you know how you run your business now Oh, it's, it's a great impact. And, you know, I look at things where you have challenges. I, I had an unfortunate accident on riding a horse. Uh, I broke a collarbone, six ribs. And you know, I kind of look at those things as, as a mindset of when, and it's going to happen to all of us in life, you're going to have challenges. No one's going to have a, a perfect life. And, you know, you can look at things uh, as like, it's, you can say it's, it's not a great moment and, and, and be in that moment, or you can say this is happening, um, for me and not to me. So what can I take out of this experience? What, you know, I can come out with mental resiliency. I can come out with toughness. I can come out with, you know, ways, ways to work under duress or under pressure or dealing with pain or discomfort. I mean, all those things are building blocks into your, your character as a person. So in business, if you have that as a foundation, say, Hey, I check Mark, I did this, I did this, I did this. When you come into challenges in business and, and you always will, there's, there's never, you know, no one will win the lottery. I mean, it's, it is a lottery. If you ever have a business and you have no challenges, just, in fact, you won't have a business. If you don't have challenges. So it's, it is what it is. So you come into it and you say, okay, I can, I can roll with these challenges and learn from my past experiences as a foundation to overcome those things. I always say my, in my darkest moments and my darkest hours, right. I, it's when my greatest light, you know, is created for my business. And, you know, I always go back to Alabama football and I was like, for the process, the process, the process. I know that might hurt a little bit. It's a little too soon. A little too yeah, soon. that's okay, though. They, they um, had a good team. They did. They did. They had a great year. Every once in a while, as a Hawkeye, we have to, we have to throw, the, throw those rubs in because we don't yeah. really have any for beating you. I, I understand it. Got it. We got we to we throw that out there. Um, that's right. Big topic, you know, of what's going on in the world right now, right? We've been through this crazy – phase you know we've been through covid um call it turbulent times we've been through um you know the president challenges that we have right um and and so you know for you during all of this you know what adjustments what changes as a businessman you know have you made during the last 18 months during the last 12 months to you know win during this time you know and i always say like i know people are going through difficult times and and i you know, I have empathy for that, you know, I, and, and, and belief, you know, and, and, and my boys and I, we pray for, for, for families that are out there every single day that are going through it. But at the same time this year, I've had to bite down, you know, I've had to make my investors money. I've had to make, you know, our, our students money. I've had to make our employees, you know, money for our employees to continue to be employed. We've actually, you know, hired and grown a little bit this year from a staff standpoint, you know, which I'm very, very proud of, you know, um, and so for you, you know, what have you, 
you know, done adjustment wise, you know, business wise during, during, during this time? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are really struggling and have challenges, especially from a, a health perspective. And so I don't ever want to make light of COVID. Uh, but it is, you know, from uh, a leadership perspective, if you have the opportunity to lead from the front when you're having challenges, uh, it's a great crucible to learn, to, to grow, and to take that opportunity to, to lead. And, um, you know, part of uh, sort of my mindset is that I've, I've listened to, um, you know, the recommendations and, and, and understand those, but, and, and, and implement those. But once I understand those, I, I don't need to be sort of day to day reminded of the challenges that are out there. I already know, and I know what we need to be doing and, and I should be doing personally. Um, so I put those aside because I already know what they are. And I, then I focus on what I can control and the teams that I can control and, and the influence and the positivity and, and not letting um, you know, a lot of things that happen on the media where they just perpetuate sort of negative things. And as leaders in uh, entrepreneurs in our organizations, it's our job to, uh, to, to, to help people rise up above those fears that they might have and, and do great work when it's in challenging times. I, my other hat that I wear on is I, I'm a, the board chair for the Boys and Girls Club, and I work with a lot of kids, and our model completely changed on that too. So you know, you're leading from a nonprofit perspective and also from the business perspective, and both of those are, are complementary. But you have, to, you have to show folks the way to, 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 to be positive in these situations, and, and that's how you get the win from there. You, you lead from the front. Awesome, man. Just, just great words. I, I think that as I look at our business, you know, I, I go back to that, that process, right? And I just, you know, focused on biting down on the things that I know we need to, to do to succeed, right? What were the key actions we needed to take? And, and I just focused on the actions we had to take. I focused on the, the, the process of, of what I know makes our business su- successful. And then we also adjusted, right? Um, for example, we, you know, invested, you know, there's no tax auctions happening in America during COVID, right, which is one of our bread and butters, but we focused on investing into income producing farms, which has done extraordinarily well for us, you know, this year and, and, and I mean, extraordinarily well, blew, I've blown my mind in some ways. So for, you know, for you guys over at, you know, Equity Trust, um, we have found that our investors work extremely well with you guys, right? People who've invested in our REIT um, or with us in other ways have worked with you guys extremely well. So talk about that, you know, belief that you had to work with the alternative investment, right? To work with the real estate investment and, and some of the benefits of, of the utilization of the IRA um, for somebody who's watching this, maybe who's not as, as familiar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we, we call it a sort of Main Street investments as opposed to Wall Street investments. And, you know, people can diversify however they want in their portfolio. But the idea that there's a, at least a portion into, um, into what, again, what we call Main Street investments, real estate, things that uh, people can uh, see, know, touch, uh, understand uh, as, as, a, as an alternative. And the way that the company started was uh, sort of by accident because, you know, my dad was doing that exact same thing with, uh, he was a, an investment advisor and he had folks in the market that were going up and down and uh, he created a real estate investment and, and those folks came into that limited partnership and uh, did very well. Uh, but, you know, he wanted to uh, make sure that they were diversified and they could have different asset classes outside of 
uh, a mutual fund or the stock stock market because it goes up and down. And um, so that same philosophy is kind of permeates through the organization of giving people investment choice out there in the country. And, and a lot of times it's, it's local investments and, and things that they know and understand. So, um, and you know, coupling it with uh, investing in a, an IRA or a 401k, it's, you've got that compounding interest and you can create wealth, uh, not just for yourself, but for your family, create a legacy. Uh, so it's a very powerful combination. Talk about some of the tax advantages of, of an IRA for, for people who are unfamiliar. Sure. So um, when you make an investment inside of an IRA, uh, that investment is either tax deferred or tax free in the case of a, a Roth IRA. And so what that does is it creates the power of compounding interest, which is, you know, Albert Einstein says it's one of the most powerful forces in it's the universe. Year. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you just have compounding and compounding. If you, if you do it in a, in a, outside of a tax favored environment, you're your returns are, are lessened and that compounding interest is lessened because you're sort of you're paying taxes every year on that. So that's, it, it's a way that the government, uh, a lot of people don't understand that they realize that the, the third largest expenditure uh, that the government makes are our retirement plans. And the reason that they have these incentives is because they want us to be self-sufficient. They want us to be prepared for our future and that, you know, social security was never really meant to be, you know, with a retirement plan for people, a lot of people look at it as such right now, and it's, it's not what it's there for, and it's not uh, sustainable from that perspective, you know, given our population. So um, it really is all those incentives are there saying, hey, you know what, take advantage of this, grow, take care of yourself and your family and, and causes that you care about, but start investing, start saving. Yeah. So just from a scale standpoint, so people can kind of understand, um, who you guys are listening to and, and the size of, of the importance of what he's talking about. Rich, how many, how much money does, does equity, equity trust manage? Uh, so, so just distinction. Manage is the wrong we, word. Yeah. Manage is the wrong word. We custody the, uh, the custody, the, yeah. Yeah, custody of the assets uh, we're about 23 billion right now. Good thing. I'm not the IRA guy, right? <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I can make those mistakes. I'm not, that's all right. It's all good. I always lead with, I always lead with our students. Like I'm not a financial advisor. I'm, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a really good damn investor. Right. That's and right. so um, that's funny. So with, with all of that, you know, that you guys do, right. How do you guys educate your people on, on investing? What, what kind of, what are, what are like five things you tell them? Like, Hey, here's, 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 here's things to watch out for because Here's, here's, here's the red flags that I see when you're making an investment, right? And then here's the things to look for within a good investment. Why don't we start with the red flags? Well, you know what we, our foundation of, of, of the company is really education. So we offer tons of, of, of content and education to people so they can understand what their, their choices are. Um, we, we wouldn't necessarily look at like a, a, an investment per se and say, this is good or bad, or this is going to be um, you know, what you should flag because that's um, individual and that's the sort of, you know, so we don't sit down and say, okay, this is given your whole portfolio and those type of things. Uh, we're really clear that we just provide education on the vehicle. So, you know, we give you sort of the flags you're saying about um, what takes away from wealth for you. So, you know, just that we were talking about their compounding interest. If you're not taking advantage of this gift that the government gives us to create wealth, the compound interest to defer taxes, you know, you're missing out. You're missing out if you're using the 401ks or the traditional, 
to get tax deductions. You're missing out in estate planning. You're missing out on sort of all these features and mechanisms that are around the ecosystem of those plans. And there's a lot of them. And there's also a lot of ways to pool capital, to, to uh, make investments, to start businesses. And there's so many different things out there. So really what we're passionate about is giving tons of information based on what someone specifically is interested in and where they are sort of an, an understanding. So you know, all the way from the beginner to the advanced, we, we give sort of customized content that they can learn and then make decisions for themselves. It's awesome. Now, everybody, just so you know, we're going to have a link in the podcast um, description, the podcast chat, so that you guys can, there's going to be a webinar that we've done with, with Equity Trust um, and one of your uh, leaders, John, John Bowens, right? And, and so you guys are going to be able to watch like a step-by-step process on the importance of IRAs and what are, what are the do's and don'ts and, and some of those kind of things. And so I don't want to spend too much time, you know, on the, on the, on the podcast on that, because there's just so much, you know, deep knowledge. I, I want to, I want to pull out of you for, for, for everybody. I want to rip it out of you, Rich. So. Yeah. And John, John is fantastic. Everyone can be on that webinar. John is absolutely fantastic. You're going to learn a ton from him. He's great. The, uh, I've, I'm trying to think of the right, the right term, but I think it's, um, if it's quantum entanglement or I'm trying to think of the different things, um, you know, when, when two, two people collide, right. They create this, this dynamic, you know, relationship or connection that, that carries on in, in different interesting ways. And so I, I look at, you know, us meeting at Maverick 1000. I look at um, a decade ago, John coming through a seminar um, and, and doing training with him and, and, and uh, another, other members of your team that I, that I trained, right. Um, on, on, on different topics. And then I look at how they come back, things come back full circle, right. Over, over the years. And I remember a moment we were in Chicago and um, it was the, uh, where they had the, remember they had the football players, right. Um, I'm trying to think of the retired football players from, from the NFL. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And I, I had said to you, we were talking about a conversation. You had said, you know, I'd really like to write a book on um, starting investment funds or starting uh, you know, regulation D funds or private equity funds or raising money. Right. Um, and I know you've written a lot of books, right. Over the years, but I remember taking a moment and thinking, man, if this guy whose company, you know, is custodian, right. Of all of this money wants to write a book like that, I should probably dive deep into that. Right. Now, a decade, decade later, I run a REIT. Right. And, and, you know, I've raised, raised a lot of money over the years. Um, you know, for you, what do you think about those kind of weird things in, in, in the world, right? Those, those, I think quantum entanglement is the right word. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it isn't, but sure. no, I, I think that is the right phrase. And then, you know, I think the, the idea of the universe and, and to be successful, the greatest and most successful people are the greatest givers. So if you, if you're out there thinking about uh, a giving mindset um, with your time, with your energy, with what you're putting out into the world, it comes back to you. I mean, you just become more successful that way. It's the, that's the foundation of how I, I, I was taught growing up. And um, it, it just is, it's the foundation for success. If you have a give mentality, you're going to be very successful in life. And I think when you are giving, it's interesting to get to a point where you surrender from, from the reciprocation, you know? And what I mean by that is like, like giving without, the need yes. for return. Yeah, I'm going to have, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's always the natural self-serviceness of, 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 a, of a person I give and it gives me, 
you know, euphoria gives me, you know, um, my own dopamine fix, right. Um, when I, when I give, give to people, but at the same time, you know, letting, letting go of that part of it, you know? Um, and I think that's, that that's huge to be able to let go of the end results with knowing that you're doing what's right to create, create, create the end result and relate that over to business, business, Rich. Sure. No, it absolutely relates to business and, you know, the, the measurement of your success in business is the, the measurement of the value you're going to put out into the world. And Charlie Munger says the world's not a crazy enough place, right, as it is right now to reward a bunch of undeserving people. So um, if you're going out there and providing lots of value in the world, that value comes back to you. And uh, it's just, it's a universal truth out there. You bring more value. Um, you know, I, I sort of mentor a lot of kids in, in the Boys and Girls Club when we talk about, uh, and I actually really like mentoring now and, and, and helping other folks out uh, from my experiences. But, um, you know, it's, it's look at something like our, our iPhones or, or when we Google or, you know, all these services that we take for granted right now, which are tremendous values to us. Um, you know, the marketplace rewards that value that all of us have. It's if you can... Uh, deliver 10 times the value that you're receiving, you're going to be really successful. So just that mindset of whatever you're doing, you're providing value to the world, the universe, and the marketplace, however you want to look at it, that value comes back to you. You know, one of my first mentors that I looked up to, he said, he said, Dutch, if you, if you make other people money, you will always make money. Um, and it was, you know, I'm sure he said it a lot more words and a lot more phrases around that, but that was the part. Sure. That, that stuck out to me and it's that exchange, right? Um, right. If you can provide a value exchange out there in the world, you know, the, the return is, is, is going to come, right? I think as entrepreneurs though, one of the things that, that or as, as people, like I constantly have people asking me, you know, like, you know, well, Dutch, if I want to be a millionaire, Dutch, if I want to create this, Dutch, if I want to do this, right? What are the things? And, and I say, create a, a beneficial, mutual, positive exchange, but where that exchange can create the wealth you're looking for, where that exchange can create, you know, the kind of income you want to make, you know, and a lot of things are perspective, right? So uh, like an example, I have, you know, college, college guys who work, work for me here um, at, at the company, right? And, you know, minimum wage, you know, here in California is really 15 bucks an hour, right? But um, I have, you know, virtual, a virtual staff member out of, out of Idaho, where the minimum wage is 10 bucks an hour. And, 15 bucks an hour for a college guy in Idaho would seem like a ton of money. Um, but I also tell people, you know, but is the exchange, can it ever get you to the destination you want to get? And, and so I think that's, you know, something as entrepreneurs, you know, this creating, understanding that relationship between, you know, what you're wanting to accomplish and, and what the value that you're providing out there to the world, then how does that come back in an exchange from an entrepreneurial standpoint right now you started equity trust with with your dad or with your brother or with both uh both with my dad and my brother family okay. business yep. so how's that dynamic been over over, over the years because i know a lot of people work in family businesses and I, I what are some of the what's one or two of the dark moments in running a business with your dad and your brother well you know it's it, I, I it would be very truthful and honest, like it has its moments, you know, there are challenges. And, and, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, he said the opposite of, of, of he had this 
conversation, we we're saying the opposite of one word is the other word, you know, sort of black and white. And I said, well, you know, what's the opposite of love? And the opposite of love is not hate, which you would kind of reflexively think, but it's really apathy. It's apathy or being apathetic and not caring. So sometimes when you're in a, in a business and, you know, more often than not, it's, it's not the case, but, you know, there are moments where, you know, we have disagreements um, starting out and challenges and, um, you know, we may have different viewpoints and, and, you know, that might lead to a little bit of conflict, but it's, the conflict is because that you care, that you're not apathetic and you really want, you know, you care about the business, you care about the, the, our clients, you care about uh, the people that work for the business and their families. So that's what you get passionate about. And so I, I never look at that as the disagreements. It's, it's more of like uh, just a different viewpoint. And I think having diverse thoughts and different um, opinions uh, is really helpful. And you have to be really sort of honest with yourself too uh, when you're having those discussions. But uh, I think that's really it, it sort of a takeaway from working in a family business that really forces you to, to look at those things from a constructive place. And I know a lot of times where you hear the stories about family business not succeeding, it's, you know, you kind of might take something personal and not really know that, you know, it's coming from a good place that you want to succeed. You just might have a different opinion on how to get to that, that success. Now, is, how involved is, is your dad and your brother still in the business today? Uh, well, my dad's, my dad's pretty much retired, you know, at this point. I mean, he still does a lot of business. Um, he, he can't just play golf all day. That's not how he's wired, but, um, and then both my brother and I are, are more working on the business right now. We've got a great management team in place and a great CEO. So uh, we let him lead the ship. And then uh, we, we work with the, him and the team on, on a, uh, from a board perspective and uh, an oversight and, and um, strategic perspective now. Good. You know, as a, as a, as a business owner, what are, what are the things that you're paying attention to the most? What are the things, you know, to, to, to measure, right? Um, the success or failure of the business, right? The driving forces that keep, keep you, keep you pushing and, and keeps the business, you know, this is a year where things could go upside down for a lot of businesses across America. Right. And so for you, what are the things that, that you're paying attention to the most? Well, you first and foremost, you have to pay attention to your clients. I mean, that is the most, you know, we obsess on our clients. Um, we obsess. And then, you know, right below our clients, we obsess on our staff. We're really important. You know, we do lots of, we create a great environment. We do lots of things that a lot of companies don't do for our staff um, because we really care about them. And uh, it's, it's like a family. We built that up and it's, um, you know, that's, that's on purpose. We, we really want it to, to feel like a family, like your second family within our organization. Um, so really obsessing on, on the clients and, you know, as far as a KPI and looking at things, I mean, there's just always asking you know, kind of what's, you know, your clients, how, how can we improve? How can we get better? What's, um, uh, you know, what's their experience right now? And just, if you have the frame of putting yourself in the shoes of your end client and, and being an advocate for them, you know, from inside the business, you, you'll never go wrong. But that's, I think all the books I've read and, and kind of case studies and that type of stuff where you've seen businesses go in the wrong direction. It's really when they stop focusing on their clients and they stop focusing on their people. So when you do get, new, when you have new clients, right? And I think there's a couple of questions investors always ask me, right? People will ask me, investors will ask us, um, you know, Dutch, you know, how much money should I invest, right? And I'm, 
it's always an interesting question for me because I always say, well, you know, as much as you're allowed to invest into our REIT, you should invest, but that's a personal, you know, statement. No, I usually tell people, I say the best thing, you know, when somebody's beginning an investment is to put, you know, a, a responsible, you know, amount of money into an investment like ours and then continue to add money month by month because then the compounding effect just takes takes over. And, and, and the returns that people get when they continue to add to their retirement, continue to add to their wealth. And if you take, you know, my own personal fund out, out of the equation, but they're just looking at the retirement and the wealth, it's just the continuous addition to it, right? That's the biggest thing that I tell somebody who's wanting to build their retirement, wanting to build their wealth, just continuous addition to it. For you, when you're talking with new customers or new clients, what is, you know, what is some advice you give them as they begin to, you know, decide, you know, they're, they're just scared. They don't want to lose their money. And I think that's the biggest thing for people is they've, they've worked hard, they've saved money, and now they have money, you know, that's going to lose, you know, money in the sense of appreciation, right? Mm-hmm. If it just sits. And so, you know, the reality is, is, you know, what, what things do you tell them to look for as they're out there looking at different investments and different things? Yeah, so, so we're kind of in a unique situation where we, we don't tell people what to invest in per se, but what Correct. we do is, what we do is we try to give them as much education, education. as they, as they can get as what they want in, in different verticals, different asset classes. And, and so we try to say, here's, here's a lot of information that you can look at and then make a decision because that is, it's a very important decision. And uh, you know, the so more, one of the tips you give them is just to collect information, collect as much information, collect as much sure. data to, to, to receive as much information as possible. Yeah. To make an informed decision. I mean, every, every, every sort of situation is unique and, you know, people have different uh, situations in their life and where they are. And, and so that's the more knowledge that you have. And I come back to Warren Buffett says, the more you learn, the more you earn. And so, you know, you should really be focusing on learning and understanding and, and then, you know, from that figure out what's right for you, but you're right. it's, it's a very, uh, important decision on, on investments that people make um, you know, for their lives. You know, I um, when I look at Warren Buffett, and the last time I looked at a stock, it was like three hundred eighty-nine thousand dollars for one for for one stock of, of his company and stuff. And I look at him, you know, divesting in in Goldman Sachs and you know spending two billion dollars into gold. Um, leave Goldman Sachs, invest into gold. You know. What, you know, do you, as you look at the world and stuff, you know, what do you think of the cryptocurrencies? What do you think of the, the gold and commodities with, you know, the kind of turbulent times we're in and stuff? You know, what do you think about that? You know, all those moves and those, those, those types of things. Well, you know, gold has been um, historically a hedge against inflation and volatility. So you're seeing a lot of people moving into that asset class. Um, and that's, that's just been historical. People have, and actually Warren Buffett said he wouldn't invest in that. Now he is, which is kind of interesting. And then, you know, with the crypto, it's, um, I think what's interesting about crypto is you do see all these, these sort of wild fluctuations, but then I think what people lose track of is that the, the, the utility of what cryptocurrency is going to be. I mean, we take for granted here in the United States, we've got a good monetary system and, and, and the federal reserve. And um, even though we do have a debt that we're accumulating, but, um, you know, when you go in different countries and you have inflation and, and the government's not really having discipline and, and you know, that average person uh, working, he sees the purchasing power of their paycheck go down week by week. So cryptocurrency, I think, um, 
from the utility perspective of uh, people who don't have in, in the world, who don't have access to a, a great banking system like we have here in the United States, it's, um, it's a great way to, um, to have access to that, to stable currency and pay for things. So I think in the future, uh, that's going to become more prevalent. And, you know, I, I think there's going to be a time where, and I don't know how far out it is, but I think it's just a matter of uh, uh, when, not if, but, you know, we'll, the U.S. dollar at some point will, we see as a physical dollar, will go by the wayside and, you know, it'll be a, be a quote, cryptocurrency at that point too. It'd be interesting, you know, to have a world currency, you know, um, which is, you know, one of the things that crypto could become, you know, is, is, is a world currency, whereas there's a point in time where the dollar was kind of a standard in some ways of, of a world currency. And over the years that's shifted and that's changed. And I always, I use this term of, uh, I call it, I call it acceleration theory. And I know there's other, other types of acceleration theory, but I think everything's speeding up, right? Um, because of social media, because of the internet, because of technology, because of AI, um, I think that everything is speeding up. And so I think the ups and downs and swings of the economies are, are speeding up um, and, and, and shortening instead of, you know, 30 year or, or 100 year, you know, cycles and then 50 year and then 30 year and then 20 year cycles. You know, we could be in a window where we're in five, five year to seven year cycles and we might be in two to three year cycles, you know, with, you know, busts and booms and, and, and recessions and, and, and stagnation and, and all of the different things. What do you, what do you think about that? You know, that, that thought of acceleration. I, I, I you couldn't agree more. There's um, adoption of technology. There was a great graph in it. And I'm just forgetting the um, this fellow works with Google. He's, he's, uh, he's kind of a technologist and I'm just drawing a blank. His name will come to me, but he had a graph about, you know, technology through the ages and there are long periods of times, you know, before the printing press came into play and then you know this is just kind of this graph like this and then it goes straight up when when you start to talk about the internet and adoption of cell phone technology and um you know it just it, it, it's rapidly increasing so that that's definitely the case it's going to continue on that uh trajectory there's just new, new technologies and new uh, the adoption rates of those technologies are going to be faster and faster so 100 percent on that and I think that is a part of the the interesting thing with inflation. You know, there was a time during COVID where I thought we were going to undergo pretty massive inflation. You know, with the government stimulus packages that were coming out, I thought when it, the COVID ended, we would we would bounce back, right, um, from a stock market standpoint. And and there was a number of other factors that I thought would cause it. But then now COVID has lasted far longer than any of us believed or or thought it would was going to. You know, what, what is your thought on, you know, the economy, you know, during the next 12 months, during the next, you know, during the next, you know, two years may even be too far to think out at this point. Well, you know, I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but I mean, just the pent up demand in certain sectors that are going to come online at some point, COVID will, will be in our rear view mirror. And, you know, all these industries, travel and cruise, and you just you can name all the ones that have been hotels have been really hit very hard, um, probably the hardest, you know, during COVID, you're going to have pent up demand for those services. And so when we do come out of this, you're going to have, you know, people are going to want a return to normal and they're going to want to do the things that they, they were accustomed to doing uh, before this hit. So, you know, I think the market's uh, sort of anticipating that in some sectors. So that's why you haven't seen 
big dips in, in, in stocks. You know, they're, they're kind of building that into their, their model at this point. Um, for the balance of investors, right? I always tell them to do deep due diligence, right? So I'd say one, collect all the information possible. Number two, do deep, deep due diligence. And I'd say number three, I'd say invest for the, for the long run, right? Um, you know, I always have my high risk bucket. I put all of my different investments into different buckets and a small amount of my money's in my high risk bucket. But my largest bucket is always, you know, what's going to make me a return long term? You know, what's going to help me five, 10 years from now, you know, make great returns and that, you know, if the economy goes up or it goes down or it goes up or it goes down, right? You know, it's going to continue to thrive and, and, and make money long term. And so I look at stuff from 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago that has to continue to climb in value and continue to grow in value. But I think one of the things for me, the cryptocurrency is something I put in the high risk bucket. Um, you know, I would have said eight, nine years ago when, when my wife and I bought our first couple of Bitcoins. And it's fascinating, but we left it alone just like we would the long-term bucket and haven't touched it in, in forever. And it's done obviously very, very, very well for us. You know, um, how about you yourself, like personally, like over the years, you know, how, how do you, you know, arrange your buckets or, or, or different kinds of things with, with your own investing? Well, kind of the way that I look at things, I always like to play the long game. I'm always sort of a, again, I'm a student of, of Warren, Warren Buffett, Buffett. Char Charlie Munger. You know, you buy value investments and you, you hold on to them. That, that's just sort of my personal philosophy. Um, you know, a lot of people do well in sort of trading in the markets in the short term, but um, I'm always sort of a long-term kind of long-term uh, focus and, and I play the long game, you know, whenever I can. Okay. What about variety? Do you have a lot of variety in your own personal investments? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, just like you're saying, you've got your equities in the market, you've got uh, real estate, uh, a little bit of crypto. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really diversified. Um, but again, it's those things where uh, you take the time to learn about the asset. You like, keep coming back to that. The more you learn, the more you earn focus on that and get it sort of an expertise on it to an extent and then, you know, make a decision because you're going to have really in any asset class, you're going to have ups and downs um, through the course of 12 months, two years, whatever it is. But if you can be patient and play the long game, um, you know, most of the time you're going to have that upward trend. And uh, it's, I think there's a, I think Warren Buffett also said it. He's saying that, you know, like sort of the, uh, the stock market can reward uh, patient people. It can sort of not reward people who are impatient. So the more that you can practice patience in your investments and and really have a conviction over the long term, um, that's usually when things uh, work the best. You know, I, I always say the, the the richest men I know, you know, that I've, I've known in my lifetime were developers, and the the poorest men I knew that were once rich we're also developers, right? And, and because I always, you know, that speculative, you know, form of, of, of investing, you know, you have to be in at the right time or the right, the right modality or, or reaching beyond, you know, what your capabilities are. And there's all kinds of different rings, those kind of things happen. You know, when I look at investors and they look at, you know, very short windows for, for what they're trying to create, I think it's, it's kind of a mistake. And I think it's something that can really cost them because I think when they look at mistakes, they can listen to the wrong voice. And I mean, there's a lot of different noise out there. And I, I love the real estate industry. I love the real estate education industry, but the, 
get get rich, sit on your couch with a remote control and do virtual, you know, investing and, and don't lift a finger and, and, and suddenly you can become a real estate millionaire. It's always, you know, a very challenging noise to me because it's not how real estate, real real estate investing is done. And so for you, what do you, what would you tell people about the noise, right? How, how to, you know, listen and figure out what to listen to, what to hear, you know, who to listen to and those kind of things. I think that's really challenging for a lot of people. It's like, what's, it's like there you have the real and you have the not real, but sometimes the not real sounds sexier, right. Than, than what the real is. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult dynamic, I think for, for the average person who's, who's, who's on this journey. Yeah, no, I think that you're, you're right. And there's a difference between uh, investing and speculating. Those are two different things. And, um, and not that you can't be successful in a short term, big day trading, those type of folks. There's, there's lots of people out there who are successful, but it's, it's really seeing like, what are, where are you playing your odds? And, and by and large, if you can look at something from the long term, long haul, long game, uh, your odds of being successful are, are much greater uh, than if you're trying to catch uh, swings in the market or swings in a real estate market. I mean, it's, uh, those are very challenging. And uh, even people who are very experienced uh, come up on the wrong end of that stick, you know, times when they're looking at things. So I always like something that isn't, uh, that's tangible, right? That they can touch and feel. Um, for me, you know, it can't disappear. And I've always been, I've always thought with my cryptocurrency, and this is my own personal stuff, right? This isn't necessarily like the rule of thumb out there. I always thought with cryptocurrency that, you know, tomorrow it could be gone, you know, um, whether it's a government regulatory body or it's a um, new currency that takes its place, right? Um, you know, it could be gone. Um, it's looking less and less like that, right? When o- over the years and those kind of things. It's one of the reasons I love real, the real estate, but I'm a real estate guy, right? My parents were real estate entrepreneurs, um, uh, but I also tell you one of the reasons I learned to stay away from speculation is because my dad owned a racetrack in Amarillo, Texas, because he thought gambling was going to be legalized in Texas, which is still outside of, you know, the reservations isn't legalized in Texas, you know? And so it's one of those things that, you know, for me over the years, I think we all learn from that, uh, those experiences indoctrination of, of family. Right. And, and so tell me, you know, a little bit for you, you know, with your dad and, and some of, you know, his greatest stories as you grew up, you know, that, that, you know, you said those, these are the ones that stuck with you in, in, in your DNA. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of stories my dad told me, but, you know, one of the, the stories that he talked the most about, and he told me a bunch of times, my, my great grandfather was a, a steel worker, he came over to the country here and um, it wasn't, um, you know, might people might call him a small man, not, not someone who's great importance, but he had a lot of pride and, and he had a lot of, uh, you know, character and, 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 and caring for his community and, and the people around him. He says, what's your value set? And he always told me this story about uh, there was a, back in those days, you would get an envelope on your payday and it was, it was the money that was for two weeks for, for your family. It wasn't a, it was cash. And there was uh, someone who actually lost their envelope and uh, he knew who the person was and he could have, taken the money and no one would have ever known. And, uh, but he said it wasn't the right thing to do. And um, so he went back to that person and gave them uh, their money back, you know, for the his family. And, and it was on section, not A, B, C, it was on section D of the local newspaper way at the bottom, but it was a little 
story about him giving the, the money back to that person. And, um, and he always carried around that in his wallet. So, you know, one of the things that my dad and, and instilled the sort of stories that have the value set from, uh, from what you're going to do, how you're going to interact with the people around you and the community around you, make that as your foundation. And then as you're going into business and building success and saying, I want to hit these marks, I want to become a better investor, always have that value set as your foundation. And then when you, you have that and you look at things as the long game, you look at, you know, I'm building a great reputation and I don't want to do something to ruin that reputation. I want to uh, do the right thing in, in the long run. I want to make investments, not for myself, but for my children, my grandchildren. Thinking of that mindset and that foundation, that's your framework for success. Because then as you look at investments, as you're analyzing things, you realize that there's no such thing or very few instances of, where you're just going to flip the coin and you're going to, you're going to win the game. It just, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to work at things. You have to be patient. You're going to have to deal with setbacks, but if you can accept those as part of what this, our, our journey in life and you have a great foundation and great value set, then you're more about the journey as opposed to like the immediate, what I need right now. It's fascinating that, allow people allow so many external factors, right. To influence their daily life. Mm -hmm. And, and you're just talking about all of the things that don't allow the external factors to influence, you know, your daily life. And I think it's having those right stories and knowing what stories to believe and, and not to believe. So, you know, my parents had a lot of challenges with, with addictions. Right. And when I look at the foundation of my story, I can go and I can, you know, own, you know, the addiction side of it. And I could have went down a very, very different path, but I chose to own the entrepreneurial aspects of them. I chose to own, you know, the optimistic, the, the ability to grow a business. I chose to own certain qualities, right. From, from my parents. And I, I always say I'm a little bit blessed in the sense that they passed when I was younger, because, you know, you have a very different perspective when your parents have passed than, than when they're alive, you know, and you can see things a little bit, a little bit different. It's a lot easier to dislike or be um, unhappy with with your parental figure when they're alive um, than when they're no longer around because you know they can't feel your 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 your, your dislike of things that they did when when they're no longer around. And and so you know those stories are, are those DNA stories are, I think are gold, um, not only for ourselves as people and and what makes up this you know a core of who we are, but you know, for, for others to hear it too. What's, what's one more. Do you, do you have, do you have another one in there? Make you, make you reach in there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, there, there's so many, but it's, um, you know, I, I, I guess everything for me revolves around my father and some of the challenges that he had. He lost his parents when he was very young, uh, similar Dutch in, in your perspective, in your situation as well. And, you know, there, there's, I think in that exact same thing that my father went through is you could, a lot of people told him he wasn't going to be successful. A lot of you know people told him you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. You're not going to, you're not going to amount to anything. Um, and it was it was when my father was in the Navy, actually out in California, he was stationed at Camp Pendleton, which is a Marine base. And some naval officers took him under the wing and said, you know, if if you applied yourself, you've got intelligence. Um, instead of you know just being out here, go take two years of community college, get get some credits and then you can transfer because you have potential and they believed in him. So those Naval officers actually set my dad on a, on a path that uh, without that mentorship, he would have, he would have sort of been lost, but he knew that he, you know, when people said you're not going to be successful, you're, you're from the wrong side of the tracks. And my dad was, 
uh, you know, he, he wouldn't listen to that. So part of it is to come back to that perseverance and that everyone listening here, you can be successful. You can make an impact on, on your life and your family's life and, and your community. I mean, that's really, um, I, you know, that's part of my mantra is right now is, is when I talk to entrepreneurs, I say, focus on your, your, your business, your family, your community, but then also give back. And, and if you can sit on a board or help out a nonprofit in, in your community, huge. You, you know, you're giving of your time, talent, and treasure to that organization, but you will learn so much and it'll help you so much in your business and dealings with people when you're in that type of environment and you're able to lead. So those, those things are kind of foundational things for me and, and it all centers back from, from my father and my family. It's amazing. You know, I look at um, those, those moments as those just truly unique um, parts of your, your DNA that, that I think so many people, when they listen to the noise and they listen to the things that are out there, they don't listen to themselves and, 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 and really, you know, building a great, you know, business, great, building a great family, building a great, you know, uh, community is, 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 you know, one about knowing, you know, who you are and, and what you're, you're trying to accomplish. Like I, I want every single one of my team members to feel like a stakeholder, right? I want every single one of my team members to take ownership over this stuff. I want every single one of my people to believe in the mission that we have as a company and a business as much as I believe in them, right? But I know that they'll never believe in the mission if I don't believe in them, right? And, and, and so I've almost also even with the motto of like, if I can't believe in someone, then they can't be a part of, you know, what we're building. And, and, mm-hmm. and because, because they won't believe in the mission if I don't believe in them. And it's this you know, exchange is this relationship that is, you know, truly, truly, you know, unique Um, within your business. I know, you know, Kent, John, you know, I know only a few members of your, of of your team, but you know, you've, you've had people that have been with you for a decade, you know, for, for more, more than a decade, long time, long time, long long as Kent been with you 15 years, something like that. Yeah. And we've got 20, 30, you know, it comes back to, we, we try to structure the business like a family, um, you know, when we started out, I knew everyone, I knew all our kids and, um, you know, as we've grown, it's a little more challenging to do that, but I, I still make a point to get to know people and, and care about them. We do a lot of things in the community. We have a, a committee in our company called the give committee where they get to choose. We, we give them capital on, um, on charitable events that they want to do. And we do some great events every year and, and, and the, the, the team takes charge of that. So that's really the key to success um, of, of, of any business is building a great team. And uh, if you don't, you can't achieve anything great in life without having a great team. Because if, if you can do it all by yourself, it's really too small of a goal. You really want to set your standards high and kind of go to the next level. Anything that you want to do that's, that is uh, worthwhile, you need to build a team. And so you know, choosing your team, taking care of them, uh, empowering them, helping them grow inside and outside of business, helping them contribute to the community. All of those things are the, the foundation and formula for success. You know, last, last night, my sons, uh, one of my sons, I, we don't, I don't let him drink a lot of liquids before he goes, goes to bed. They're, they're both four years old. Mm-hmm. It's challenging for him. And so his brother got milk, right? Yeah. He's, he's all, you know, disappointed right and he says i'm jealous of of my brother getting milk right 
and and he uses these terms that just blow me blow me away all the time like grace and empathy and some words i don't even know how he ever even heard of them right mm -hmm. and and i said to him i said i said you know when i was younger i used to i we call it fomo some right fear of missing out um mm -hmm. call it envy right um mm -hmm. and, and i'm talking to my son and I, i'm saying like you know when i used to see someone drive a, a, a sports car or a Corvette or a Lamborghini or, or, you know, when I was young and we drive by, you know, a neighborhood where there was mansions and different things, you know, it used to create this unease for me. Right. Um, I used sometimes it would, you know, even, even a dislike, you know, um, and over the years, you know, I learned to mentally high five those kind of people that are ha having that never next level kind of success. And so I'm having this conversation with my son, you know, you know, lights off, you know, cause he's supposed to be going to bed and, different things last night. And I said, you know, you have to learn to appreciate when other people get good things and other people get great things and stand behind when other people get good things and other people get great things, you know, um, what are some of the, you know, what's a lesson like that um, from, from, you know, your family, your, your, your life, right. That, that is good because I think that for, I see a world where people don't live in a world of abundance, right. And so people are always like, well, why do you share what your business does? And I said, I, I believe it's a great big world. I can give my DNA of my business to the guy right next door. And, and, and if he wants to go and do it and succeed with it, then right on for him. Right. And I have no fear from a scarcity mindset, right. Of, mm -hmm. of being able to do that, you know, and that's where that lesson comes from for my son is I don't, I don't worry about, you know, what other people do. I worry about what we do. Um, that's right. So how, how about you? What, what's one of those stories for you? Oh, I always look at, you know, I think envy is probably one of the most dangerous sort of emotions that you can have out there. And if you focus on gratitude, you know, in your life and that, especially in the United States here, I mean, vast majority, I work the boys, when the boys and girls club work that I do, I work with a lot of uh, kids who've got families are really challenging situations, but for most people, uh, you know, they're not, food is not an issue, you know, bullets and violence are not an issue for most people. I know it is for some, but for most people in America, you know, you're not worried about your next meal. You're not worried about violence in your neighborhood. Um, you know, most people have, you know, family that care about them. Um, you know, if you go out in the rest of the world, uh, that's why so many people want to come to this country is because there's so many opportunities and so much stability and so much sort of empowerment that you have. So just by being an American, uh, you should not take that for granted. There's so many opportunities here. And so I, I look at things, I try to focus on, on gratitude and what I'm grateful for. And when you have that as a mindset, then you don't, all those other emotions that come in, um, they don't come into play. And, you know, then the other thing too is it's, um, you know, what you don't put in your mind is just as important as what you do. So if you exclude negativity and, and, um, and a lot of the, uh, the, the noise that's out there that can be negative, that um, is just based on fear and, and uh, scarcity and, and that type of thing. If you focus on um, the idea that, you know, strong people lift other people up, you know, the weaker and people are scared and coming from a fear mindset are the ones that are really putting people down. So um, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as community members, it's your responsibility to try to lift people up to the best extent that you can. You know, you focus on your business, your family, 
but then also the community. Well, awesome, Rich. Well, I think that's a great place, you know, for us to segue. I think we've, we've done it, man. We went, we went a good, good solid hour of, of, of sharing and I appreciate your time and such, such, you know, great gratitude for your time. Um, you know, Rich is, is a truly special, you know, entrepreneur and, 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 and businessman. And, and I'm glad you were able to share, you know, with every, everybody today. Rich, is there anything you want to ask me uh, before, we, before we wrap up the day, though? Um, you know, it's, I just, it's really great Dutch, to reconnect here. And I would just tell the audience here, I, I always remember those times when we were at that event. And, and I remember carrying Dutch, which, you know, is, is not an easy thing to do. Dutch is, you know, he, he's got some height on him. So I remember that. And um, just, it's great to reconnect and, um, and, you know, just putting good information out into the world. It's, it's a fantastic thing. Well, sometimes you got to have people put you on their back, right? That's right. That's right. All right, brother. Well, we'll wrap up and, and just great gratitude for you sharing today. I mean, such deep insight for people. I think they can take so much from this, but uh, that's it, man. We did it. I love it. Thank you so much, Dutch. All right, brother. Thank you for listening to the Hard Money Podcast with Dutch Mendenhall. Don't forget to visit our website, economicactivist.com. That's www.economicactivist.com.